Good afternoon. My name is Jasmine, and I'm here with my co-host, Reese. You're listening to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, We are recording this on Saturday, May the 6th, and you're listening to it for the first time on Sunday, May the 7th, and the rebroadcast will air on the 8th at 11 a.m. So, Reese, how's it going? It is going well. It's been a long week, but I'm happy it's Saturday. How are you? Yeah, thank God we made it, right? Exactly, because sometimes you just don't know. Yeah, (laughs) but we're here. And apparently you, you also have a cat with you? Yeah, we gonna call her Midnight. She is um, my housemate's daughter's cat who comes to stay with us when she travels outside, I guess, of the city. So Midnight's been hanging out in my room. And I think she's going to be my little buddy now. So is <laughs> Midnight a black cat? She is. She is a black oh! cat with yellow eyes. Yeah. yeah piercing yellow eyes and she's so cute she's still a little baby so i said all right i think i'll be your little stepmom if that's what you need (laughs) yeah you know everybody knows how i feel about black cats they're the best cats how's dre dre is good dre is curled up in a ball chilling for his afternoon nap his fifth nap of the day i guess is dre a black cat Uh uh-huh yeah you've never seen dre i never seen him before. I just know the infamous character on our show who's been around for a while. <laughs> yeah, Dre is all black. He's jet black, also with yellow eyes. So. Oh, okay. So they really are cousins, huh? Something like that. Distant relatives. <laughs> okay. All right. So on this week's show, uh, for the local news, we'll be talking about a New York City commuter's comments on Jordan Neely's killing. For national news, uh, new sex offender laws that are being planned in Oklahoma. For world news, we'll be talking about protest crackdowns during uh, Charles's coronation. And for the good news, we'll talk about a good Samaritan who saves a runaway stroller. Uh, So I will be um, giving you the local news uh, this week. And um, this article is from The Gothamist. It was written by Catalina Ganella and published on May the 4th. Uh, The title is People Need to Stop Being Scared and Stand Up. NYC Commuters React to Jordan Neely's Death. News of 30-year-old Jordan Neely's killing on an F train earlier this week continued to percolate in the minds of subway riders on Thursday. Neely, a Black homeless New Yorker, was killed when another passenger, uh, and this is an aside, uh, since this article came out, the killer has been identified, or the alleged killer, I guess, has been identified. He's a former Marine named Daniel Penny from West Islip, Long Island. Um, So that's who put Neely in a chokehold on Monday. The city medical examiner ruled his death a homicide, though no charges were filed as of Thursday evening. The fatal interaction was caught on video by freelance journalist Juan Alberto Vasquez, who posted it to Facebook, writing that Neely yelled that he was tired, that he didn't care if he went to prison, and that he was ready to die. Flatbush Brooklyn resident Zoe Myers said watching Neely be killed on video was traumatizing and left her questioning her safety. 
I was just like, why would he think that was okay to use that much excessive force that you killed someone? Meyer said before boarding a train at the Atlantic Barclays Center station. That made me super uncomfortable because if just anyone can take justice into their own hands, like we're all not safe, it's not for you to take justice to subdue him, she added. Maybe if he was actually a threat, it doesn't really sound like he was a physical threat to anyone. So I don't even think that would have been necessary, but move cars, it's not necessary. Abigail Addison from Canarsie, Brooklyn, works at Barclays Center and was boarding the train there on Thursday. She said it's up to everyday New Yorkers to prevent something like this from happening again. I could see he was holding really tight. And who was there to help him? No one helped. People need to stop being scared and stand up, Addison said. Dakota Greenidge from Woodside, Queens, commuted to the Broadway Lafayette station in anticipation of joining a protest condemning the homicide. He, felt, he said he felt that along with the man who put Neely in a chokehold, others seen in the video also holding Neely down should be charged. Without a doubt, he should definitely be charged along with the other people that helped. They should all be held accountable, Greenidge said. They participated and they didn't do anything to stop it. And they also looked at the dude, the dude in a chokehold, and were just like, oh, this is perfectly fine. We're good Samaritans. After getting off the train at Broadway Lafayette, the station where the Neely, where Neely's F train stopped, Bedsty Brooklyn resident Sarah Danley said the incident highlighted the city's lack of resources for homeless New Yorkers. We have no services for people who are homeless or mentally ill that are easily accessible and actually work, and he was asking for help and he was murdered, Danley said. She says she doesn't believe in the criminal justice system and was skeptical that Neely's killer being charged would be of help. I mean, I don't think anybody should be charged in our current criminal justice system, Danley said. Charging him isn't going to bring about justice because if there was justice, Jordan Neely would still be alive. And also, this is the system we have. Stepping out of the Franklin Avenue station in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, Courtney Everett said the man who put him in the chokehold should face charges. When you take somebody's life, you should be held accountable to the umpteenth degree of the law, he said. Now, when it goes to court, then they can prove one way or, or the other. It's in the hands of the court, but he should be charged because he took somebody's life. The NYPD on Thursday said they were working with the Manhattan District Attorney and asked witnesses to get in touch with them. The DA's office is also investigating. Um, so this is in case some people might not know, um, Jordan Neely was um, known to some New Yorkers as a Michael Jackson impersonator for some years. Um, the Gothamist also ran a story recently, uh, and the title was Who Was Jordan Neely? Friends Recall a Sweet Kid and Talented Performer Killed in the Subway Chokehold. Um, and I think this is an important piece of context for his background that many might not know. Um, so that article by David Brand goes on to say that his charismatic performances mass deepening, deepening struggles with mental illness that friends and family say were accelerated by a lack of stable housing and his mother's brutal murder at the hands of her abusive boyfriend when Neely was just 14. 
As a teen, Neely lived in Bayonne, New Jersey, just south of Jersey City, according to reporting on his mother's death in 2007. More than four years later, he testified at the murder trial of her killer, an abusive boyfriend who strangled her to death and dumped her body off a, Bro a Bronx highway. Neely told the court he realized something was wrong when his mother did not wake him for school as she usually did and when her boyfriend blocked him from entering their bedroom, NJ.com reported at the time. Um, so sadly, she, his mother had, was stabbed and put in a suitcase and then dumped by her boyfriend. And from that moment on, his life uh, just spiraled out of control only for him to die this way. Um, oh, I'm sorry. She was not stabbed. She was strangled to death um, only for Neely to essentially be choked to death himself at 30 years old. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been very troubling. I wouldn't recommend anyone watch the video. I think it's horrible that there was a video. You know, like if you can videotape something, you can stop it. You can intervene. Um, but like we've said before on this show, it's like black death is treated like a spectacle and a lot of people just don't see it as some people are entertained by it. Some people are cheering it on. Other people are just indifferent, uh, especially if it's, you know, a poor black person who's clearly struggling. So just awful, awful, awful that this happened. Yeah, this is a really sad story. I can't even imagine being on that train car, like watching this happen and just like not saying anything. You know, it's it's weird because I feel like from my experiences, when you see crazy shit happen on a train, people do speak up, people do say things. So I'm wondering why, you know, people weren't compelled. I mean, I can understand not wanting to put yourself in danger um, by intervening, but like, in the same context, like a lot more people are stronger than one person. So it is, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I would have been able to sit there and watch that, you know, and I, I'm not blaming anybody or saying that people, I'm, you know, blaming the people who were there to witness it. I'm sure it was really, really hard to watch, but in the same context, like me personally, I don't think I would have been able to watch, but I can't say that I would have physically intervened either. I, but I definitely would have said something. I definitely would have at least brought attention to it um, with hopes that other people would see it the way I seen it. But this is awful. Um, far as the guy being, I, I, I personally do think there need to be charges for this man. I personally think that this case is important because people ride the train every day um, and sometimes don't make it to their destination for so many reasons. You know, I think that when I was in New York, I always had a little bit of nervousness on the train, just thinking about the fact that no one goes through a metal detector, anything can happen and so many people will get hurt so easily. So in my mind, this is a little triggering too, because I have, you know, kind of watched over my shoulder and, and said a prayer every time I got off the train where I may have fallen asleep or something like that. And I made it to my destination safely. Yes. I, I, I think that it's, I think that the immediate pivot to talk about Jordan Neely's mental health um, and speculating about his situation 
I think that it's not fully relevant because at the end of the day, what you have is this Marine, ex-Marine, a young white Marine came up behind someone. He came up from behind and murdered this man. And a lot of the initial reports that were coming out, it turned out to be another case of, you know, some outlets just reporting what a cop has said that turned out to not be accurate. He did not throw anything at anyone. He did not threaten to hurt anyone. He was complaining about being hungry. He was saying that, you know, he was ready to go to jail. He was ready to die because at least if you are locked up, there's some type of food or shelter provided to you. So he was someone that was at the at the end of his rope that was lamenting his situation. And that is getting twisted around and misrepresented as if he was in someone's face saying, I'm going to kill you, or like he brandished a weapon. And I really think like we have to be careful about conflating those things or being like someone being visibly poor and in distress is the same thing as someone threatening to hurt you because they're not. And even if it were, there's so many steps between that and choking someone to death. You know, the the medical examiner determined that he died because like his neck was so compressed. And another thing I want to point out is there's audio and there are people that are not seen on the tape, but you can hear them. And one of the bystanders is telling um, the killer to let him go. Like he's saying, like, you're killing him. Like, cause you know, they okay. realized that yes, he yes, has no. defecated on himself. So there were, there was at least one vocal person that was saying to stop who was ignored. Also, what the hell happened to leaving the car? Like I've done many a time. Like, you know, you can say something, distract them. There's so many other steps before you go to going up behind someone and strangling the life out of them. Yeah. And the mayor and the governor, their responses have been disgusting about this. Absolutely disgusting. It's very simple to say that it is not for you to take somebody else's life because they make you uncomfortable. We're not talking about a situation where the person had a gun, had a knife, was in your face. Someone who's saying, I'm hungry, I'm tired, I don't have food, like expressing hopelessness. And that's a reason to take someone's life. Yeah. I hate the criminalization of of poverty. It just, it's one of those things that we can never break. And it's, it is so common you know, poverty, I'm meaning, is so common, is so everyday, like, it's a, it's a human problem. And the way that it's criminalized, it just really makes people almost like heartless, you know, to a point where it's just like, oh, he's just one of them. Like, we, we, we live, we don't, but we do live in a caste society here. And it's stories like this that make you realize, like, people really detach themselves from humanity when people are like down on their luck, suffering, they really detach themselves so much to the point that it's almost like, that's not a human or I don't give a fuck, like whatever I got going on is more important than the value of human life. And it's it's really unsettling and it's sad, you know, and we definitely, something definitely needs to happen is the bottom line, because we can't just allow people, no matter who they are, to hurt people because they're in distress. Like it's, it's, it's unnerving. 
it really it really 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 is and you know it also can't be divorced from the reality that the policies that the mayor that mayor adams and governor hochul are putting in place fighting for keeping in place they are policies that create more and more jordan neely's every day you're slashing support for different services to help people stay out of poverty to have a safe place to go you're making it easier for people to be evicted from their homes, put in profits before a human need to have shelter. All of those things just create a bigger and bigger population of people who are in distress and in crisis. And then the message is we're going to help put more people in that situation. And then we're going to allow you to literally be killed and cheer it on or make excuses for it. And I, I feel sad that I can't remember the exact person who said it, but um, there was a tweet not that long ago where a person, I believe they had been homeless themselves or they were relaying someone else's experience. And they said, it's not so much that you run out of money as it is that at some point you run out of people. And that is so real because mm -hmm. there's many people you know, myself included at one point when I was a child, like going through things with my mom and my siblings, where were it not for like someone in the church letting you stay with them? A lot of people, if it's not for a friend, relative, letting you live with them, couch surf, whatever you want to call it, it has different names, but like you are in an irregular housing situation. You are technically without like a permanent residence. You're just very lucky you have people to catch you when you're in that moment. Yeah. so that you aren't on the street and at some point you do run out of people you know pant like neely's mother died uh, from what i can see his father wasn't really involved so right there he doesn't have that which a lot of people take for granted and then mm -hmm. it's such it's a short trip from that to you're just out here and imagine what that does to your mental health just being exposed to the elements like that we're all a lot closer to it or have been than some people like to realize. And it's, it's a shame that, you know, more people don't wake up to that fact and have some more compassion. We just got to do better. Like not just the people in power, but everyday people, we got to do better to care about one another, to have hu humanity for the, the, our fellow man. Yeah, and um, I want to end with, this is just the opening from a New York Magazine article. Uh, it was written by Errol Lewis, and the title is Jordan Neely Was Already Dead. Um, and I think it, was, it got at the heart of the whole situation. Um, and Errol writes, For some New Yorkers, Jordan Neely was dead even before Marine Corps mm -hmm. veteran Daniel Penny allegedly choked the life out of him on the floor of a subway train. Modern America, including New York, designates some categories of people as socially dead, part of an underclass that is subject to exclusion, indifference, or even outright hatred and violence. To be Black, destitute, homeless, and mentally ill in our city is to be one of those outsiders, existing in a kind of internal exile from society's circle of care and concern. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good article in general. It really hits the nail on the head with um, this whole incident and prayers up for Jordan Neely's loved ones and just terrible, terrible 
news and sad that people seem to be cheering it on in some circles, but not much surprises me these days. All right, so that is the end of our local news segment. You are listening to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, And since Neely was a part of a Michael Jackson impersonating community for some time, uh, for our first musical break, this is a song by young Michael Jackson. This is his rendition of People Make the World Go Round. We'll be right back. No more school today They want more money But the board won't pay Everybody's talking about ecology The air is so polluted That it's hard to Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue our work in the community. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Welcome back to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. And up next, we have Reese with our national news story. All right. So this story um, comes from TheGuardian.com. Um, the author is Lauren Aratani, and the title is Oklahoma Plans New Sex Offender Laws After Rapists Killed Six People Before Trial. An Oklahoma state lawmaker is planning to introduce new legislation aimed at halting the early release of certain sex offenders after a convicted rapist killed six people, including five children, at his home the night before he faced another criminal trial. The proposal from state representatives Scott Fetgatter would come after the killings in his district by 39-year-old Jesse McFadden, who authorities say murdered his wife, three children, and two of their friends before he died by suicide, and their bodies were discovered on Monday. McFadden has served 17 years in prison for a 2003 rape conviction. McFadden was initially sentenced to 20 years, but was released in October 2020 after complying with state law state laws that allow for prisoners to be released early. 
Fettgatter told NBC News he is now exploring a measure that, if ratified, would prevent inmates convicted of rape and child sexual abuse from being released early. At the end of the day, those five children that were murdered in my district should be alive today, Fettgatter said to the network. That's my priority. How do I keep this from ever happening again? The circumstances of McFadden's early release have raised questions for Fettgatter and others after the suicide, the murder-suicide McFadden allegedly carried out in Henrietta, about 90 miles from Oklahoma City, made national news. A month after McFadden's release, he was arrested again for allegedly exchanging, sex exchanging sexually explicit text messages and photos with the child through a cell phone that he smuggled into the prison in 2016. He was released on a $25,000 bond. McFadden was scheduled to appear in court on May 1st for the start of the trial as he faced charges for possessing ch child sex abuse imagery and soliciting sexual conduct with a minor. But on the 3rd of May, local law enforcement officials confirmed the seven bodies, confirmed that seven bodies they had found two days earlier, all with gunshot wounds to the head, belonged to McFadden, his wife, the three children, and the two of the children's friends. Authorities identified McFadden's victims as 35-year-old Holy Guest, who married him in May 2022, and their three children, Riley Allen, Michael T Mayo, and Tiffany Guest. Two other girls who were found dead at the family's home had gone there for a sleepover, 15-year-old Brittany Brewer and Ivy Webster, 14. They had been reported missing the night before and were also found by authorities. The state said it was still investigating a motive. Loved ones of the victims have since expressed outrage that McFadden was released from prison early, even though he ultimately faced charges for alleged criminal misconduct while in prison. Justin Webster, the father of Ivy Webster, told the Associated Press that he is determined to tell Ivy's story and our story and get our government officials and everybody to start speaking out loud and keeping those pedophiles in jail. There's need to be, there needs to be repercussions and somebody needs to be held accountable, he said. Jeanette Mayo, mother of holy guests and grandmother of the three children, told the Associated Press that Oklahoma failed to protect families. Because of that, my children, my daughter and my grandchildren are all gone. I've lost my daughter and my grandchildren and I'm never going to see them again, never going to hold them, and it's killing me. The state's Department of Corrections told the local television news station, KFOR, that in a statement that McFadden, for most of his incarceration, was classified as a prisoner who was eligible for early release once he completed 85% of his sentence. He lost the classification for several months after the child abuse, child sexual abuse imagery and smuggling cell phone allegations, but ultimately regained it, the department said. He was, he was assigned to level one in January 2017, following his misconduct occurring in December 2016 for possessing a contraband cell phone. He returned to level four through the proper steps in June 2017 through the end of his incarceration, the department said. Upon his release, McFadden was required to register as a sex offender for the rest of his life and check in every 90 days with the local sheriff's office. He complied with those requirements. Registered sex offenders are allowed to live with their own children and stepchildren as long as children are not victims of the offender, according to Oklahoma law. So that's the story. Um, this is so sad. Um, first of all, like just the thought that this man 
was sick. Okay, let's just put it out there. Very sick for a long time in many ways. And then his own family became his victims. Um, I'm not very familiar with the early release laws with incarceration. And for the most part, I used to study the incarceration system a lot in grad school and um, definitely was very interested on ways to eradicate um, harsh prison sentences, prisons in general, and, and people who should not be there. But in a case like this, these methods of early release, obviously, it has to be uh, thought about again. It needs to be something that is constantly under evaluation because this guy obviously showed that he was still sick and he's getting the same sort of charges while he's serving a sentence. To me, he shouldn't have ever qualified after that for early release if you're under another conviction while you're convicted. Like it's this, the writing was written on the wall. Yeah, this story is, it's horrific. And I, one thing I thought about was like, you see other types of crimes or things that are labeled as crimes. Like if you're, I don't know if you're following what's happening with Stop Cop City, but there are people who are protesting Cop City in Atlanta where they don't want the forest to be destroyed to create like a training compound for police. And there's all these other reasons to be against it. And there are people yeah, who have been like at a music festival or they have been putting up flyers to promote that cause who are being arrested and held like when they can't, there is no bond or bail for them to post. Like the judge is deciding to take that away for putting up flyers and saying they're intimidating police officers with paper. But then you see these other cases where someone is doing Often when it's some kind of abuse against women and children, you see a whole different, you know, it's like, how was this person in the home? Like, how was this person given bond, bail, whatever to get out? Because, you know, this is something where frequently if someone does it once, they do do it again. It's not just like a random incident. Like it's a pattern of behavior that's not likely to stop. and. You know, it's I, it's just really, I don't even know what to say. Like, what a horrific, horrific way to lose your life. I don't know, man. The system is fucked. And the reality is that, you know, I don't think people talk about, you know, sex offenders um, enough, you know, let alone child pedophile sex offenders. But just in general, I feel like this is a topic that doesn't get a lot of light in in. Um, public discourse. I know it's very difficult to talk about, but it's one of those things that I feel like, you know, if you have ever been a victim of a crime like this, you never really fully heal from it. You know, people are in therapy their entire lives and have, you know, trouble in relationship, trouble with their own self-hatred and embarrassment. They, You never heal from something like this. You know, it's one of those crimes that stays with a person and the people around them forever, you know, and I don't think it gets enough light um, in public discourse because people just, you know, it's a it's a difficult concept. But if we can talk about everything else, let's talk about how sick this man was. Let's talk about his real issues here. You know, it's one thing to be the murderer, 
of your own fucking family. But then on top of that, to be over here being a pedophile to other people's children? Yeah, he should have been under the jail, if you ask me. I don't really have a lot of sympathy for his illness in this moment. But in the same context, when people are not paying attention closely, this is the type of shit that happens. There's no way in hell he should have been considered for early release, especially after the second charge. Like, who made that okay? You know, and we're, we're, talk- we're, we're talking about um, in the world news story about the coronation and one of the people in attendance is Prince Andrew, like speaking of people who abuse minors. And, you know, he's in his full regalia and all of this, like everything's cool. And it might seem unrelated, but the common thread is like, this is a common thing that happens, unfortunately, like a sexual abuse of children, uh, family abuse. And so many people are protected because yeah. there's powerful people who are doing the same thing. And one of the things in the in recent political discourse in the U.S. that's so disturbing is people take the mean like the reasonable aversion and anger about child sexual abuse and they twist it into like look at what's happening in Florida like where there's such a um, intense push to try to label anyone who is gay uh, LGBTQ in any way as being a child abuser and then they're talking about the death penalty for child abusers that's not an accident. It's like they're trying to connect people who have um, a marginalized sexual or gender identity as being the same as being a pedophile. And it's like, look at how many religious organizations, polit- like prominent people that have been caught with ch- child pornography or have been caught molesting children where it's hundreds of victims. What, where do you see any type of like concerted action to do anything about that? It's nowhere to be found. But, you yeah. know, these people that have friends in high places are, oh, he's one of the guys or, you know, low key. It makes you think these people making these decisions, what do they do? Yeah. If they have all this sympathy and all this, oh, you know, people make mistakes and that's still their father. You still have to have them around. Like, it's real disgusting the way people cover up for this mess. Um, I feel really bad for the parents of the two kids that were just having a sleepover. Um, And, you know, and for the grandmother that was in the article, like people will never heal from this type of trauma. And I I just keep saying that because I know people who never heal from this type of trauma and it hurts my heart. It really does because these are the type of criminals that these fucking laws are supposed to protect us against. And at the end of the day, they bend in them for them system is so fucked. So, you know, prayers up for anybody who's ever suffered this type of trauma. I'm at a loss for words at this point. No, it's, it's understandable. You know, like if you're struggling with something like this has happened to you, like you're not alone. It's not your fault. No matter what the person may have said to you, like know that And, you know, please, if you're a parent, make sure you're a safe person for your children to go to. If anything, if someone makes them feel uncomfortable, don't sweep it under the rug. Don't minimize it. Listen to them because it's it's way more people like this guy than unfortunately we would like to believe. 
And I know on this show, we talk about a lot of really difficult topics and, 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 you know, hard conversations, but that's why we do this. That's the whole reason, because when you don't talk about it and you hear about it, you know, instead of being able to have that conversation, it's too late, you know, it's too late. So, you know, to anybody that's listening to this out there, if you are having a hard time with this story, just imagine how the people around you will have a hard time too, but that's not a reason not to talk about it. That's not a reason to avoid it. That's actually the reason that we need to be more cognizant about this issue. Right. Okay. And so we are going into our next musical break. You are listening to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. And in preparation for our world news story, this is The Smiths with The Queen is Dead. We'll be right back. Brooklyn is proud to present Movie Club at Come On Everybody, 325 Franklin Avenue in Brooklyn on Sunday, May 7th. Internationally acclaimed psych rock duo Movie Club will be presenting Uncovering the 90s, The Good, The Bad, and Like Whatever, a combination of live reading, discussion, and musical performance. The band will be joined by Pulitzer Prize-winning author Camille Perry, in addition to some other very special local guests. 
You don't want to miss this multimedia, multidimensional live performance extravaganza right in the heart of Brooklyn. For more information, visit movieclubtheband.com. Welcome back to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. And I will be sharing the world news story with you this week. Uh, I'm not going to read the entire article because it's quite lengthy, um, but this is most of the important stuff. This is from The Guardian. The title is Police Accused of Alarming Attack on Right to Protest After Anti-Monarchist Arrested. Uh, This was written by Daniel Buffy, a chief reporter, on Saturday. So this was written the day that we're recording it, uh, which is the day of the coronation, uh, is when this uh, incident took place. Scotland Yard has been accused of an incredibly alarming attack on the right to protest after police used new powers to arrest the head of the leading Republican movement and other organizers of an approved demonstration just hours before King Charles III's coronation. Graham Smith, the chief executive of Republic, had been collecting drinks and placards for demonstrators at the main site of the protest on Trafalgar Square two hours before the King was due to arrive at Westminster Abbey when he was stopped along with five others by police on nearby St. Martin's Lane. The group had been walking behind a rental van containing hundreds of placards when they were approached by the police and searched. A video of an exchange with one of those arrested was caught on film. The police officer can be heard saying, I'm not going to The police officer can be heard saying, I'm not going to get into a conversation about that. They are under arrest, end of. The arrests were said to have been made despite a series of meetings and agreements between Republic and Scotland Yard over the demonstration, which was to take place at the point where Whitehall meets the mall. The Metropolitan Police later said a total of 52 arrests had been made for affray, public order offenses, breach of the peace, and conspiracy to cause a public nuisance around the coronation. Harry Stratton, a director at Republic who arrived as Smith and the other protest organizers were detained, said they were collecting the placards and bringing them over when the police stopped them. The guys asked why, and they were told, we will tell you that once we have searched the vehicle. That's when they arrested the six organizers. We asked on what grounds they had been arrested, but they wouldn't say. It is a surprise as we had had a number of meetings with the police. They had been making all the right noises. The Met Police had tweeted earlier this week that they would have an extremely low tolerance of those seeking to quote unquote undermine the day. Under the new Public Order Act, protesters who have an object with the intention of using it to lock on are liable to a fine with those who block roads facing up to 12 months in prison. Yasmin Ahmed, the UK director of Human Rights Watch, condemned the arrests. The reports of people being arrested for peacefully protesting the coronation are incredibly alarming. This is something you would expect to see in Moscow, not London. Peaceful protests allow individuals to hold those in power to account, something the UK government seems increasingly averse to. Separately, Animal Rising said a number of their supporters were arrested on Saturday morning while at a training session miles away from the coronation. 
Nathan McGovern, a spokesperson for the campaign group, said, this is nothing short of a totalitarian crackdown on free speech and all forms of dissent. Just Stop Oil, Republic, and Animal Rising have experienced the true character of this government's attitude towards peaceful protest today. We are sleepwalking into fascism, and it is every single person's responsibility to stand up and say no more. The protest, the protest drew many well-known characters of the anti-monarchy movement, including Patrick Thelwell, 23, who was found guilty last month of a public order offense for throwing five eggs at the king during a visit to York. As King Charles was being anointed and crowned in the abbey, Thelwell was seized from the crowd by police officers, handcuffed and searched on suspicion of having prohibited items, he said. They saw me on their watchtower, and next minute I was in handcuffs and being searched on suspicion of having eggs, I suppose, he said. I didn't have anything in my pockets, uh, pockets apart from condoms and a lighter, so they had to let me go. I've absolutely not brought any eggs, he said. My parole officer tells me counterterrorism is following me. Paul Powellsland, the lawyer who, has, who was threatened with arrest when holding up a blank piece of paper after the death of the queen, was also in the crowd. Powellsland said that the arrest of Smith had been an attack on the right to protest. What could be more British than making speeches in the street, he said. So, yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of attention to the the new king and queen of England and people's outfits and all of that, but um, it's important to pay attention to what's being criminalized, not just in the U.S., but in other parts of the world, you know, just simply being in public and expressing that you are against something is being treated like and labeled as some type of terroristic, threatening, violent thing that can get you shuttled off somewhere and they're not even telling you exactly what the reason is. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing that stood out in this story was that I think I read a little bit about something like this, that they had recently changed the laws around this. Like they just prepared these new laws in um, preparation for this event. So that just goes to show you right there, like, what happens behind closed doors happens at any given moment. You know, I, I swear to you, democracy is one of the, the tricks of the demise because we think <laughs> we think we have a say in things. And very often we are starkly reminded that there are people who do and people who don't. Um, I think that it's interesting how long the monarchy has been able to fucking keep up the facade after watching that Meghan Markle um, Netflix special. I thought about the reality that, you know, if people don't acknowledge them as such, they wouldn't even be who they are. I mean, obviously their money got them where they are. The money they stole, pillaged, raped and fucked the rest of the world to get has put them no, in this say position. That, say that again. Yes, seriously. That's the only reason that they are who they are. But nobody has to respect these people. They people just like we are. Um, and I, I personally, if I was, if I lived in London, would have been arrested because I'm just like this facade that you have some sort of power over this place, over these people, over this nation is only about your money. There is no prestige in this game anymore. You know, like, and 
I, I'm not surprised at all um, that they want to lock these people up because really they're the ones that's opposing this this farce um, of leadership that's been going on for so long. I, you know what? I firmly believe that in our lifetime, I think we're going to see the end of the British monarchy. I, I think, you know, I think so, because look at how many um, places and, you know, former colonies have said, you are not the head of our state. You are not our monarch. They are, it's a new day, um, increasing calls for reparations and all of that. You know, people are tired of this. And the, as far as I'm aware, the cost of living in the UK, especially in the big cities, is astronomical. You got people that, you know, they there were the protests, um, what was it called? Insulate Britain? Something like that, where, you know, there were people that were dying in their homes because they couldn't properly heat them. Like, they didn't have the money mm-hmm. to pay to properly heat their homes. You had elderly people just being found dead, you know, in this... Wow rich western country and you know you had people protesting in the streets some of them old people you know putting themselves at risk to call attention to this issue and people were down on them for blocking traffic i'm like man y'all are not ready for what like when climate change and all these other problems hit full force you would you're gonna look back and regret that you weren't out there blocking traffic with them people and could get some real traction going yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever actually respected the monarchy. Um, I'm not it's British or whatever. What I it's so ridiculous. It is. It's 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 not even fucking real, yo. Like, yeah, people can't. Even... They can they can barely afford food in the country, and you got to see all of this money going to celebrate and these people who never have to work a day in their life just because of who gave birth they to them. on the backs of all these dead people that they didn't pillage raped and took from oh my yeah. god and i'm like i'm i gotta say i know i'm not west african i'm not from the caribbean i know that there's a different you know history with the monarchy and colonialism and all of that but i gotta say when i see some of the black people going up for the monarchy <laughs> I just, i'm like let me move my bang to make I sure I'm you. seeing this correctly. Yeah. Hello. It's crazy. You you still living in illusion? Like, get the fuck on with that. It's 2023. You like, oh my God. Like the people that just I've never respected it. I've I've never like like I said, when I was there, I was not like impressed going to see Buckingham Palace. I it, like that just was not a part of anything I've ever wanted to do in my life. I was more so interested to see the black neighborhoods over there, the culture that existed that was not, right. you know, not that I wanted to be away from that, that whole, you know, farce of, of belonging to something that is great is a tragedy. Actually, it's not great. It's a tragedy. It's horrible. Those people need to be under the jail too. <laughs> yeah. Like for what Fred Hampton said, he was like, all power to the people. The exactly. monarchy is not the people. You know, they're not <laughs> exactly. us. We you are know. the people, damn it. <laughs> we are the people. So yeah, I hope all those arrested, I hope they get out swiftly and more people realize like, hey, you don't want to have this precedent where anybody that's causing a disturbance like that somehow, you know, grounds for you to have your freedom taken away because 
you let it slide with one group that you think is annoying, pretty soon they're going to be coming for you over some mess as well. So wake Absolutely. up, sheeple. Exactly. I know it's easy to sleep, but it really ain't. It really ain't. Stay woke. It's just a regular <laughs> guy with a funny hat on. Free yourself. <laughs> right? Yes, please do. I want to hear some Bob Marley. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all so, right, Lisa. So you you got a better news story than this mess? Yes, like the real heroes of the world. Um, this story comes from the Good News Network, and uh, it is written by Andy Corbley. The title of the story is "Formerly Homeless Hero Stops Runaway Baby Stroller Moments Before It Rolls Into Traffic." In the town of Hepsera, sorry, in the town of Hepsaria, I'm probably butchering that, California, a great aunt watched helplessly as a baby stroller was carried by a gust of wind towards a busy street. It was then that a good Samaritan loitering outside the car wash named Ron Nesman reacted quickly to avert the disaster. All the while, his heroics were being captured by a surveillance camera from the car wash. The speed limit on Bear Valley Road is 40 miles per hour, but the three lanes in which, but with three lanes in each direction, it's hardly pedestrian friendly. Didn't even have time to think about it. You just react, Nesman told local news. She sees the child going into the street and that's all she sees. She can't do nothing. Indeed, in trying to catch the stroller, she fell hard on the blacktop. Though homeless, Nesman has nieces and nephews who he loves. And couldn't imagine a lady must what the lady must have been feeling. But a personal tragedy in his life allowed him to relate. Nesman's girlfriend passed away in 2018, and the heartback derailed. Sorry, and it's, I guess it's supposed to say heartbreak. And the heartbreak derailed him a little bit. He had only recently moved back to Hepsaria to reconnect with his family, and had just finished a job interview when he jumped into action. I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I did nothing. I'm just glad I realized it. I realized it and was on it. So that's the story. This man sees the stroller. The woman did try to catch it. She fell. And out of nowhere, this hero saves this baby going into three-lane traffic. Um, wow. Okay, first of all, like this is a real hero. Let's let's put him up on a pedestal yeah. because you know, and just, he just reacted. I mean, thank God he was even there. What if no one else was around? You know, when you're driving that fast, it's very hard to stop. And then if you do, you're going to cause other people to wreck. Um, and so, yeah, everybody could have gotten hurt in this moment right here, including the baby. So yeah, thank God for the nameless heroes. In this case, his name is Mr. Nesman, who was in the right place at the right time and was quick to go save not just one baby's lives, but the lives of the people that could have been driving on the street and try to, to maneuver it. You know, there are some good people out in this world and they ain't no fucking funny hats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the king would have just watched that thing roll on by. So, yeah, shout out to him and also a reminder for those who need it that, you know, the people that have fallen on hard times who might be unhoused, like they're also a part of the community. You know, That's they're right. your neighbors as well. So, you know, 
if he could do that, you know, we can also have some more compassion for people in his situation. Exactly. All right. So that is, um, that was a show. We did a show. And for our last song, we have um, Jump in the Line by Harry Belafonte. He was a New York native born in Harlem back in the 20s. Uh, He recently passed away at the ripe old age of 96. Uh, Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more um, community-based Brooklyn radio. Bye. Bye, y'all. Shake, 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 Sinora, shake your body line. Shake, 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 Sinora, shake it all the time. Work, 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 Sinora, work your body line. Work, 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 Sinora, work it all the time. My girl's name is Sonora, I tell you friends I adore her. And when she dances, oh brother, she's a hurricane in all kinds of weather. Jump in the line, rock your body on time. Okay, I believe you jump in the line, rock your body on time. Okay, I believe you jump in the line, rock your body on time. Okay, I believe you jump in the line, rock your body on time. Shake, 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 Sinora, shake your body line. Whoop. Shake, 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 Sinora, shake it all the time. Work, 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 Sinora, work your body line. Work, 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 Sinora, work it all the time. You can talk about cha-cha, tango waltz or the rumba. Sinora's dance has no title. You jump in the saddle, hold on to the bridle. Jump in the line, rock your body on time. Okay, I believe you jump in the line. Rock your body, rock your body, child. Jump in the line, rock your body in time. Somebody help me! Jump in the line, rock your body in time. Oh. Shake, 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 Sinora, shake your body line. Shake, 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 Sinora, shake it all the time. Oh. Work, 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 Sinora, work your body line. Yeah. Work, 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 Sinora, work it all the time. Sinora, she's a sensation, the reason for aviation. And fellas, you got to watch it. When she wind up, she bottom, she go like a rocket. Jump in the line, rock your body in time. Okay, I believe you. Jump in the line, rock your body in time. High star skirts a little higher. Jump in the line, rock your body in time. Off the chimney. Jump in the line, rock your body in time. Radio Free Brooklyn is turning 8 this May, and we're celebrating with a party at Sleepwalk on May 13th in Bushwick, Brooklyn, from 7 to 11 p.m. Join the Radio Free Brooklyn community in celebrating eight years of independent, free-form, commercial-free radio with live DJ sets from your favorite Radio Free Brooklyn hosts, live performances, and more. There's no cover, but donations to the station are welcome. All are welcome to celebrate with Radio Free Brooklyn as we kick off year nine.